This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. All right, I want to, you know, after two games, the depth chart is fairly clear, um, as it usually is after two games. Uh, I want to get into, you know, uh, we'll go position by position and kind of talk about any surprises, anything that stood out to you, uh, maybe guys that you think maybe perhaps should play a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Uh, let's start with the D-line. Um, love this D-line. We knew they'd be deep. Um, Michael Hall Jr. has been a revelation. Um, you know, break it down. Like, what do you think of the two deep there? And does anybody need to play more or play less in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think from what limited we've seen of Caden Curry, I want to see a lot more of him. Uh, he looks like he's shot out of a rocket every time he's coming on the field. I, I would love to see more of that young man. And I, I hope as the year goes on, he gets more time in the rotation because every time we've seen him, he's done something like that's like, you know, what is, what's the term he flashed? He flashes a lot when he gets the opportunity. So he's the number one guy I'd like to see more of here. Um, I'm intrigued also to see if Hiro Kanu gets more time just because he's already so big that at, at D tackle, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he works his way onto the field as the year went on. But like you said, Mike Hall has been a stud. He's been before the year we talked about, I like, where's our war daddies? There's our war daddy right there. Like this guy is absolutely on fire. And as long as he stays healthy, he's up to this point been our best D lineman. And if we had all put money on who the best D lineman would be after two weeks on August 1st, nobody would have said Mike Hall. So this is why you play the games. And it's been a good thing to see. So from a D line perspective, like I'm, I'm, I'm not like going to say that they're not doing a really good job with it because they are, but I would love to see more Caden Curry. All right, linebacker, it's really interesting. Tommy Eichenberg has just completely locked down the mic. I love it, um, and, and he looks great. He looks like this, this is the best middle linebacker play we've seen at Ohio State since Raekwon McMillan. And, you know, maybe I'm off here, and I loved Raekwon McMillan. Um, Second-round pick, this is not a shot at him. He was a great Buckeye, and it's hard to be a second-round pick as a linebacker. What I'm seeing out of Tommy right now, not Tommy for most of last year, might be even better than what I saw out of Raekwon McMillan when he was at Ohio State. But we haven't seen middle linebacker play like this since at least Raekwon. Um, love that out of Tommy. Get into that a little bit. And also, Knowles is still trying to figure out who his will is. While Tommy's taking all of the snaps at the mic when the game's on the linebacks, it's like split almost down the middle with uh, Steel Chambers and Cody Simon. Um, what do you see there at linebacker? Well, I think 
First of all, the McMillan versus Eichenberg conversation. I agree. He's been. This is the best we've seen in terms of middle linebacker play since then. I, I, I hesitate to put essentially three games ahead of what McMillan did over a couple of years here. Um, but this is definitely – I think we've been so long without, like, really good middle linebacker play that we're, like, oh, really excited about what we're seeing from him. Uh, he's got a ways to go, I think, to, to match what Raekwon did. But he's definitely having an excellent start to the season. I would argue at this point Tommy Eichenberg is our most irreplaceable defensive player on the team. I agree. Yep. I, I, I think that he's the heart and soul. And if something happened to him – as for the other Chip, two, Trayon would go in next. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Chip Chip would go in next. But you're right. I agree with you. Yep. Yeah, they're just the drop in play level, though. I mean, Trayon, I'm sure will do fine if he gets in there. Remember, he was a running back for two years, and now we're expecting him to replace a guy who's playing middle linebacker at a all Big Ten level at worst right now. So, I mean, since essentially since the Rose Bowl, Eichenberg has been pretty much the guy for us at linebacker. Um, now, as for Chambers and Simon. I think some of the reason you're seeing mixed reps right now between those two is because Simon hasn't really been healthy. He's been dinged up for what seems like his whole career. And I think that Simon, we all see the physical talent and ability there. Um, I'm still leaning towards Chambers being the one who likely walks away with most of those reps and opportunities just because at the end of the day, I feel like we've seen Cody Simon play really well at times over the course of his career. And then he always has a nagging injury and he's out for two weeks. So I'm, I'm just optimistic that Chambers is going to at least be able to stay on the field. And that's where my head's at on that one. But I, I do think Knowles is still sort of figuring that position out. I thought Chambers looked better against Notre Dame, and I thought Simon looked a lot better than Chambers this past game. So, But, I, I mean, is Arkansas State a real reflection of what we are expecting these guys to be up against? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, it's easy to see why Knowles is still trying to figure it out, right? I mean, like, yeah. um, we got a chance to meet with him yesterday. I love it. it if people haven't seen the video, go on Bucknuts, go on our YouTube page, wherever. Um, 16 minutes of power from Jim Knowles every time. I love these Tuesdays where we get Ryan Day, who's always great with the media, and then we get Jim Knowles after that, then C.J. Stroud. Um, absolutely love it. Um, Okay, I was going to get into the secondary, um, so we'll just jump right here. We have a question from Facebook. John, what's up with the limited role for Josh Proctor? Um, well, he got benched the first game because he, yeah. he whiffed on a tackle that led to a 50-yard gain. Then he then he didn't line up properly the next couple plays, and they're like, you're out. And then Lathan Ransom comes in and just balls out. But Proctor yeah. started this past game and played well. He played a uh, bunch. Let's get into that. Yeah, what do you think about Proctor, Ransom? Hey, how, how do you think that's going to eventually shake out? I think that's what big time sports looks like. If you don't do your job when you get an opportunity and somebody comes in and does it, you're not there to sit around and play patty cake and let him keep playing when he's not not even able to line up right or missing eat like that. That big game by Styles is a classic play of a guy who thought he was going to somehow go for a pick that he had no prayer of getting instead of just making the tackle. So that happens all the time. Uh, usually with younger players, we saw a little bit of that with Burke actually against Arkansas State. Uh, this past week but reality is you don't do your job and somebody comes in and does it really well for you tough luck and to Proctor's credit it looked like he was really engaged the whole game and didn't sulk far as we could tell um, and then he came out and he played a good game against Arkansas State but you know the, the reality is is I think when we talk about that limited role it's just against Notre Dame he played a ton against Arkansas State 
You surprised Cor- – we have a question from Sue I want to get to about a corner in a minute. I was going to get in the corners in a moment anyway. There's a question from Sue. Before we get to Sue's question, um, Court Williams is the one – now, listen, I mean, <laughs> when you got uh, Josh Proctor and Lathan Ransom at the Bandit and Court Williams probably, my guess is he's maybe not 100% because they talked him up like crazy backs. Mm-hmm. He's a captain. Um I'm surprised Court Williams isn't out there, even though I get it. I mean, you know, you only can have so many guys out there, and they don't like to rotate that much anyway in the back seven. But I think if he was 100% healthy, he'd be playing from everything that, everything that we were told during camp from all of the coaches, including Knowles himself. Um, I'm just guessing there. They're they're hush-hush about injuries, as as they should be. I'd be the same way as a coach. Um, that's my guess is Court Williams must be banged up. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any other explanation for it other than that he is banged up. I mean, the reality is, too, we are in a spell of the season right now, a two-week spell where I think everybody expects Ohio State to win these two games by a wide margin. So there's going to be the opportunity for some of these other guys to step into roles uh, and potentially not have to play as much with some of of these other guys. I mean, if Court Williams is hurt, they're probably thinking, we're not rushing him back. It's Arkansas State and Toledo, right? Like, we're probably going to need him in a Big Ten schedule if if they really value him as – a player that might be equal or ahead of those guys that are on the field if he's 100%. So this is not the time of year to rush people back. Like Ryan Day said yesterday that Jackson Smith and Jigba was going to play this weekend, and I was like, really? Are we sure about that? Like, <laughs> let, let me get healthy here. Like, you know. Eh. So I, I think Court Williams has to be banged up. But the fact that he's a captain, the fact that he's been a guy that they've been talking about for a while here to me, and then the fact that he hasn't really played, says all we need to know about that, in my opinion, is that it's an injury situation, maybe versus a merit one. Yeah, as you mentioned, Ryan Day said he expects JSN to play. He expects Fleming to play this week. We'll see. He also said there's a chance they might get Jordan Hancock back. Um, I want to get into this. This is from Sue. She says, when do you expect Hancock to be available? Um, I tend to think he's not going to play this week. Ryan was Ryan Day was a little less, um, I don't know, um, seemed a little less confident maybe than, you know, than he was – with his comments about JSN and Fleming. And I agree with you, Bex. We said that about JSN. I'm like, um, maybe hold him out to Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, right. hey, if he's okay, sounds like he probably could have played last week and they just played it safe for that one. So we'll see. Um, I love that JSN's a competitor. He wants to get back out there. He's not worried about this is his money year. He, he already made his money last year. Like he he knows where he – but the th- my point is he could be one of these guys that's like, oh, I'm hurt now. Now I can just wait for the NFL. No, that's not him at all. That's not him at all. But um, – at corner. Okay, so I found it very telling yesterday that Jim Knowles, um, when we were talking about corner, he was asked about Denzel Burke. He says he's not den- down on Denzel, but Denzel's not been playing well. We all know he's been playing terrible. Um, but he thinks it's just, you know, he's in a slump, he said. Missed a lot of time during camep. So they're not down on Denzel. Of course, if they were, they weren't going to they're not going to sit there and bash him to the media. Um, Cam Brown to me is playing really well. Here's what was interesting. He's like, "I would love to get Jordan Hancock back for depth." And Ryan Day referred to Hancock's injury as a significant injury that was suffered in camp. Well, the good news is if he's not back this week, he's on the verge of coming back. So it wasn't significant, like, you know, season ending, obviously. But so those things were telling to me. Ryan Day saying it was a significant injury that he suffered during camp. And then Knowles saying he would love to have Hancock back um, for depth purposes. I think J.K. Johnson's playing well. Um, But get into all that. What do you think about Hancock and when they might get him back and what his role might be? Well, I think his role is going to be more substantial than we had thought if Burke doesn't in- improve his play. Yeah. Uh, that's the reality. Like, not the not the bash on the kid because he had an amazing 
true, you know, true freshman season last year, coming essentially out of nowhere to be our, our top corner. But, you know, remember last year when coming into the season, everybody thought that Seven Banks was going to have this great year and you saw all the first-round draft projections and all this other stuff and then the kid didn't even play. Sometimes kids read their own um, press clippings a little too much. And I wonder if all the early success might have gotten to Mr. Burke a little bit here and he has to kind of mentally recalibrate because, you know, he wasn't great against Notre Dame and then against Arkansas State, they were picking on him. Like when they would throw to, to Cam Brown's side, if Cam Brown wasn't going to not swap the ball down, he was going to truck you out of out of bounds with physical force. And I, I, I kept going, who made that tackle? Brown again? Wow. Right? Like, he was there to play. Cam Brown's our number one corner right now, guys. Until until Denzel Burke gets his stuff straight, Cam Brown is the number one corner on this football team. And the, the reality is Burke needs to step his game up. So when we're talking about how much they would love to have um, Hancock back, the reality is, is that there was one point in time we were discussing about how we had three guys that the coaches all thought were pretty equal and good at that position. Hancock might have been taking a lot of reps away from Denzel Burke last weekend with the way he played if he had been available. That simple. I don't think J.K. Johnson's there yet, but Hancock was the guy that we heard all spring from what we could see was pretty high up the list in terms of, you know, this is a guy that coaches are going to trust. And if Burke's play doesn't improve, it's kind of like we just talked about with Josh Proctor. You know, if you get the opportunity and it doesn't get better, someone else is going to get that opportunity. And then if they improve, you're going to be watching for a little while. That's how big time sports work. Let's move to the offense now. Um, O-line. Let's start with the big ones up front. That was the big question mark coming into the year. Not big question, but Ryan Day yeah, said. It's a good pun. It's a good pun. In it's sprint, a big question mark. <laughs> I wish that was intentional, by the way. I wish I should I should lie to you and say pun intended. Um, no, pun, pun unintended. But um, Ryan Day said in spring backs, as you know, um, that his biggest concern on the team, not one of his biggest concerns, but his biggest concern on the team was depth on the O-line. Um, you know, and – some people read that as like, yeah, is he also maybe a little bit worried about the starters? Um, I thought overall, you know, they played well, and I think that they've found some depth. Guys like Enoch Vamahi and Josh Fryer. I, I like Zen Mahalski. Um, you know, we saw Tegra Shabola out there a little bit in the fourth quarter. Wow, that was good that he's cracked it too deep. Your thoughts overall on this offensive line, starters, most especially the starters and also the depth? Well, it's so nice to actually have two guards in the field this year. That's my <laughs> first thought. Uh it's amazing what happens when you have the guys inside with that attitude that they're going to create space. And we saw that down in the critical moments of the game against Notre Dame, where Ohio State leveled some people and managed to move the football uh, on the ground. And we didn't have this nasty last year on the ground. For as much talk as we had about how great the offense was last year, and it was, the really the one spot we weren't really confident about was short yardage running plays because we didn't get a lot of push inside. And my theory last year, which I wrote about repeatedly, was is that you can't play four six foot six and taller tackles and try to get leverage down onto these giant, powerful six foot one and two defensive tackles. Mm -hmm. And that's why a team like Michigan was able to prevent OSU from running the ball with any real authority in short yardage last year. OSU had to try to create it with speed, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the case this year. I was banging the table to see Matt Jones last year. I'm thrilled to see Matt Jones this year. We got two guards in the field that are actually playing guard. Versus, you know, having slid in from tackle. Then you got guys like Paris Johnson on the outside. I mean, Paris Johnson looks every bit of the hype right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, that's the reality. But going up against Foskey from Notre Dame, you didn't hear Foskey's name called once. That's just the reality. I mean, Paris Johnson is playing like he wants to be a first-round pick, and he knows it. You know, so I, I think the starters right now are playing at a higher level than we've seen in a couple of years at Ohio State. Um Let's hope that physical nastiness can continue because 
you know, that used to be a hallmark of Ohio State offensive lines. And uh, I'm glad to see it coming back with that physicality. So I love where the starters are at right now. As for the backups, look, it's hard to tell against Arkansas State how they would do if you had to throw them in against Wisconsin or Penn State or Michigan or whatever. But it's nice to see that some of these younger guys are earning that run. And let's face it, these are a lot of fairly highly touted guys, right? There's a lot of of talent on this offensive line. There's a new coach in place that's providing them with different teaching techniques. And some of them are going to thrive whenever you have a coaching change. Anytime you have a coaching change, sometimes there are – adjustment periods right and people don't really understand what the new coach is doing and it seems more ineffective at front but for other people who didn't like the old regime there might be an opportunity for them to develop in a different fashion right so it appears fry's done a great job striking that balance of being able to have the guys that were thriving before continue to thrive while trying to lift up some of these other guys that maybe were a little lower in the depth chart so i think it's a good thing we see right now but it, you can't tell really with the, the backup O-line until they get thrown into the fire against a real opponent. And we've been fortunate with injuries that hasn't happened yet. I love this running back tandem. I'm sure every Buckeye fan loves this running back tandem. And I love how Ryan Day is using him and Tony Alford. And I, and I love Travion Henderson's attitude. He's over there like helping coach when he's on the sideline. He, he's, he, he's so mature. Like, yeah, he wants to be out there. And if they gave him the ball 25 times, he wouldn't like, you know, turn away. But like he says, like, the shelf life of a running back is short. You know, we only can take so many hits. He's happy that he's able to share the load. But anyway, man, get into get into this running back tandem. Uh, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, what you're seeing out of those guys, and how how Brian Day and Tony Alford are splitting the snaps. Well, I, I think, just to touch on when he talks about Henderson there, any good running back in these, these time period, right? It used to be back in the day, every team had their star, and he would have 30 carries, and it was Eddie George, and it was Jerome Bettis, and it was Terrell Davis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Nowadays – tandems are the way these things work even at the high school levels it's rare to have a kid who has 30 carries a game that's the reality and i think henderson like you said he's smart enough to recognize look he's got another this year and next year at ohio state before he's ready to go to the nfl and when he's had the opportunity to go to the nfl i think everybody realizes the talent level is there for him to get that opportunity so why insist on getting your ass handed to you by a bunch of defenders 30 carries a game when you don't have to do it. Sure, if it pops up in a game situation, he's more than capable, but you don't need to get pounded, especially when you have a guy like Mayan Williams, who I think most people outside of Ohio State didn't realize how good this guy was. Like, there's those of us who remember him coming in in the national championship game in the Clemson game and making a couple big runs like a year or two ago and saw him do what he could do last year and thought, man, this kid could have a really big step forward. But I think a lot of other people just wrote, Travion Henderson, Heisman candidate, right? And that was all they thought about the Ohio State running back position. Reality is Ohio State has two really good runners on this team. They're a little different stylistically. So if anything, I think there's stuff that Henderson can learn from Williams more wrecking ball style. But both of them are more than capable running backs. And I would argue at this point in time that these two running backs are the best tandem in the country among a one-two punch. Now, when we get to depth, there's a little bit of worry. I think you have Dallin Hayden, and then we got to go grab a linebacker to get somebody else on the field, which is another reason to split carries between these guys as much as you can to avoid any injury buildups. But uh, I think you have to feel really good where Ohio State's running backs are right now. Really, the only downside of anything is, is that we don't have Evan Pryor. Or with this situa- This might be the deepest position on the team. How about this? Uh, Kate Stover has five receptions through two games. Uh, you play that out over 12 games, and they're going to play more than 12 games. Um, that would be exact, exactly – 30 receptions at Ohio State. Is that allowed? Ohio State. 
Ben Hartsock's like, dude, come on now. Uh, come on. My, uh, he, he doesn't have the record for receptions. That's John Frank for an Ohio State tight end. But as we all know, a, a Buckeye tight end has not had 30 receptions in a season since Hartsock had 33 in 2003. Yeah, it's been 19 years ago. But Kate Stover, whether or not he gets the 30 receptions, I love what I'm seeing out of him. He's a ferocious blocker, and he he's a better receiver than I think uh, everybody thought. And they're using him a little bit. So um, I love that Kate Stover's locked down uh, the starting tight end spot, and, they, and they've got some good backups there with G. Scott and, and Mitch Rossi. Yeah, and Stover's been blocking his butt off to, to start the year. I mean, he's had a couple just notable impacts on some of these plays out there whenever he's making his blocks. He's a better pass catcher than I I, uh, I thought he would be, uh, but I mean, like I think all of us probably our first assumption is well, he played linebacker a bunch last year. Can the guy even catch? Right? Like that's you know you, you always have to wonder about that when they pull somebody from defense to offense, right? And at the end of the day, uh, I think he, uh, I, I think that he the way he plays too is is that he's not expected to get these like crazy t- catches as a tight end with two guys draped on him, and you know he's. He slips into space, he gets the ball, and he goes. That's very sustainable. And, you know, I, I think despite the fact that, you know, we all thought maybe if somebody was going to have a bunch of catches this year, it might be G. Scott. I think Cade Stover's played at a high enough level that it's hard. Like, like we talked before, if you get on the field and you don't do your job, someone else steps up. Well, if you get on the field and you're doing your job, they see no reason to change. And that's what's going on with Cade Stover. Yep, and he's a dude. I mean, we saw it in the Rose Bowl. He played linebacker and was out there flying around. You know, he just – Sometimes he might not not even even like really known what he was supposed to do, but he was going to hit somebody. He was going to mm-hmm. hit somebody. They had that terrible scheme last year, just awful defensive coaching. And but Kate Stover was going to hit somebody in that Rose Bowl. Um, they that's one thing about that Rose Bowl. They were they came they came ready to hit. I mean, Jack Sawyer got kicked out of the game for like just drilling the quarterback in the head in the first half, but they were out there hitting at least. Tommy Eichenberg. I don't know what happened. White came on for Tommy, as you mentioned earlier, in the Rose Bowl. He's been like – I almost said he's been Andy Katzenmoyer since. I, I that, That's going a little too that far. seems a little – He's not Big Cat. Big Cat was like way bigger than Tommy and way, and ran like a 4-3. Like, but like – I don't know so if we'll ever see another, another linebacker, linebacker like him, man. Like, I, like the closest we've been is like maybe like AJ. But like it just – we're not going to see anybody like him, I don't think, ever again at that position with the way football's played today. And Katzenmore, now it helped that he had a great defensive line in front of him. Katzenmore's best season, in my opinion, I always will think was, was his true freshman year. He's at Ohio State for three years. All three years were really good. I mean, he was really good in 98, too. Um, but now it helps when you have a defensive line of Mike Vrabel and Luke Fickle and Matt Finkus and those guys ahead of you um, when you're a true freshman. But I still think Katzenmore kind of peaked as a true freshman. Um, yeah, he Katzenmore was like a defensive lineman out there playing, playing linebacker and with the speed of like a corner. Okay. Um, Last thing before I ask you, just overall thoughts. Uh, wide receiver, I want to get into that. Um, banged up. We talked about JSN and Fleming. We'll see if they actually play this week. Um, love what I'm seeing out of Marvin Harrison Jr. Mecca Buca. I mean, we talked about it all offseason. Those guys are going to be studs. Easy for us to say on podcast, those guys are studs. Um, and they're just going to keep getting better. I love that. And maybe it's a blessing in disguise as long as this hammy doesn't linger for JSN. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise long term that these guys are getting – extra reps and they've had to step up as the guys um xavier johnson being ahead of Mm -hmm. jay Ballard on on the depth chart and xavier johnson playing well i think some people are like oh does that mean jaden ballard's a bust how about give some credit to xavier johnson who's a fifth year senior former walk-on um he's ahead of jaden ballard on the depth chart and he's gonna be in the mix all year so um yeah get into all things wide receiver for me my man 
Well, if there's ever a position we could sustain a little bit of short-term injury at, I I would dare say it's the wide receiver position. Uh, at this point, I am in the uh, – uh, I'm feeling really good about my bold prediction on our preseason roundtable, which was that it would not be an Ohio State receiver to lead the Big Ten in receiving this year. And that's purely because when JSN comes back, to you know, back, you know he's going to pick up a bunch of yardage. But um, I, I think what we've seen so far is, is that uh, first game, Buka was the young guy who stepped up. Second game was Harrison, right? Uh, Xavier Johnson was rock solid and had that big sequence against Notre Dame with the catch, then the touchdown, then the special teams tackle. You know, you're seeing a guy out there who, who really wants it. And I think what we've seen from our young receivers is that, yeah, there's a ton of talent. There's an ability for some of these guys to step up. Uh, Harrison and Buka have done so in the absence of Fleming and JSN. Then look, I don't know if we really need to play those guys this week, but if Ryan Day says they're healthy, then who am I to argue with it, right? Like, at the end of the day, I, at Toledo, we're going to beat them. <laughs> it's not like we're playing Appalachian State this week. So, uh, you know, I'm not that concerned. And at, at the end of the day, wide receiver is the deepest position on the roster. The Ohio State could run out a half dozen guys, even with the two injuries they have, that are going to pr- be productive if given the opportunity. And it helps when you have a quarterback like Stroud as the one throwing the ball. And I think he's rounded a little more into form game two than he was in game one. And I think they're only going to get better. So uh, I think if anybody has anything in terms of concern about wide receivers, they're probably leading the overreaction bus right now. I agree. Ohio State's going to be fine against Toledo, even if they hold some of these guys out. I will say Toledo is a good team. Like they are picked to win the MAC. Um, my gosh, they'd be by now. This is the lowest bar in the history of, of low bars. They'd be by far and away. So we had a commenter mention this earlier. They'd be far by far and away Michigan's toughest out of conference. Um, oh, by far. This year. I mean, Toledo it will be. I mean, Arkansas State was able to do things here and there. Toledo. Arkansas be, State didn't suck either, Dave. That's no. the, that's the thing. Yeah, I, to, Toledo. They're a bull team. Be better than them. Yeah, Toledo. Like Ohio State was favored by forty-four over Arkansas State. They're favored by thirty-one over Toledo. Toledo's a good team. Now Ohio yeah. State's going to be fine. All right, last thing. What are the strengths and weaknesses of this Ohio State team? Pretty broad question, but what are the strengths and weaknesses of this Buckeye squad, Bax? All right, I'm going to start with a weakness that I didn't think I was going to be saying, but through two games, play calling on offense to me has been a weakness. I think that I think they're trying to do too much pretty stuff, and I think Ryan Day, like everybody else, wants to see the, woohoo! look at the big passing play, it's so pretty, and everybody else knows it. And that's why Notre Dame took so long for Ohio State's offense to get going because they were so insistent on trying to run or not run the ball, right? When if they had just ran the ball down Notre Dame's throat, they'd probably just pound him right out of the gate. It, there are times where we're being too cute. And I think – hope Brian is a smart guy. Hopefully he recognizes that with the self-scout. But I haven't been really thrilled with the play calling offensively. And that's something with Ryan Day that you really wouldn't have thought. But I think everybody knows his tendencies and every other team is preparing for it, and he hasn't adjusted yet. Now – I think the uh, the the strengths of this team is, first of all, I think that in the trenches, Ohio State has a lot of talent that's playing at a really high level, both on the D-line and the offensive line. And what do they say? You win championships in the trenches. So to me, that's the strength of the team is, is, is sort of this physicality element that we didn't have as much last year. Our defense was soft. There was Swiss cheese last year. They've came out of the gates, and they are anything but. Then our offensive line last year, they wanted to pass block. They wanted to pass block. They didn't want to get ahead and road grade you and open those yards to get three on third and two, right? Then at the end of the day, they've been doing that through two games this year. 
So I think the strength is there's a significant higher physicality element this year from an Ohio State team that I'm going to use the F word, finesse. They were a little too finesse last like, year. Whoa, 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 whoa. We might have some yeah. kids. Family no. show! No, we're um, not having too many kids uh, yeah, watching. But I'm using the F word, and they, they don't want to cool. Or they, Trust me. Or they, they're either too young to really even care about this show, or they should be at school. But just yeah, in case, you're going to use school. a different F word there. Okay, finesse, yeah. finesse. Okay. Finesse, the worst F word you can use worst about a football, football team. Football. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. If you Absolutely. say somebody, if you say somebody is a finesse football player, especially if they're like a linebacker or like a you know a lineman, um, you're you know I keep, you're calling them another word. Um, but was last year's I Ohio be, State the, the first letter last year's of the Ohio word. State team a finesse team, Dave? Because I sure as heck felt like it. That Ohio State was a finesse uh, team the last couple of years, and they sure as hell are not a finesse team this year. Yeah, I and then their it. response since then has been. Another word with an F that you're probably thinking of, and they've come out and been much more physical. <laughs> That's yeah. the reality. I, that to me is a big strength that it's changed. It's well, I love. It. I mean, changed. they they took what happened last season to heart, and they talked about it all off season being tougher, and and they've they've shown it. It's easy to say it. Yeah. They have shown it. Um, and, yeah. yeah I, I, Dave Day talks about it. it's not just physical toughness; it's mental toughness. It's things like getting like enough sleep taking care of your body and then getting out there and playing like violent, you know, and they're doing all that. So absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Great stuff as usual out of the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket. It's great stuff. You should read it every Sunday. Thank you to all of the listeners and the viewers. Thank you for all the comments and questions. If you like the show, like subscribe, give us a five-star review. All that stuff really helps. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great day. Go Bucks. Bye.